This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. <laughs> this episode of the Bear Stock Underground is brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team. A rising tide lifts all boats, so go check them out online or in social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in Sports Drink, spelled like Sports Drink but without the vowels. So, S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K. All we ask is that you close the door behind you. We're trying not to let out the funk. <laughs> What's up, guys? Second trip through the NFC North. We're making our way. We're halfway done uh, after this one. We had a great conversation with Jeremy Reisman about the Detroit Lions. And now, uh, up to bat, our good friend Chris Gates from the Daily Norseman, also from SB Nation, to help us preview the 2022 uh, Minnesota Vikings, and you guys have heard me hey, say it many times over the years, especially these uh, these these guys are my favorite guests to have. Well, actually, all four of them, including Lauren Cox, that we're going to talk to about the Bears next week. But uh, I love having these guys uh, on the show. Uh, the you know the shared history of uh, of our respective rivalries. You know the skin in the game that we have for our teams, and also the respect that we all have for the other teams in our division just makes it. You know, one of my favorite things to do is is talk to these guys, uh, and and I'm happy that these are the guys that I talk to twice a year when we have our division matchups. And uh, so Chris Gates is on that list with with Evan and uh, and Jeremy and Lauren uh, as well uh, to uh, to preview these um, these uh, this this upcoming season uh, with with Detroit in, in in only in year two, uh, and the Bears and Vikings both you know in year one of new regimes. It's a wide open division as far as like second place and down. And it's not really a guarantee that Green Bay is going to light it up this year. They had to trim some fat uh, on the roster to uh, make room for Aaron Rodgers and his insane new salary. So uh, it's uh, it's wide open, not only in the NFC North, but as you hear me and Chris talk about at the end of the interview, just how wide open it is in the NFC in general, because there's no more Russell Wilson. There's no more. Uh, there's no more Matty Ice in, in Atlanta and stuff like that. I mean, the, the quarterback crop in the NFC was was getting thin to begin with, and then two of the better ones that we still had have relocated to the AFC for the Wild West that's taking place out there, uh, you know, on the AFC side of things where you have um, Josh Allen and Mahomes and, I mean, the AFC West and, and Carr and Herbert and now Russell Wilson in Denver to go along with Mahomes and, uh, you know the, the 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 teams in the AFC South, and uh, you know with, with now Davis Mills is out there. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Matty Ice taking over for Wentz in Indianapolis, uh, and all that kind of stuff. You're going to have a new quarterback in Pittsburgh. Can Lamar bounce back in in Baltimore? Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. Uh, you know, and who the hell knows what's going on with uh, with Cleveland? And uh, you know, now that they've traded Baker to Carolina, and you know Deshaun Watson's fate still being decided. 
it could be crazy out there. And, uh, you know, all the teams in the AFC East we've talked to already. Buffalo, Tua in Miami, you know, Zach Wilson with the Jets. And uh, uh, who does that leave? Miami, Buffalo, the Jets. Miami, Buffalo, the Jets. The Patriots, duh, Mac Jones uh, out there. So, I mean, it's uh, it's it's crazy on that side. And it's wide open over here, not only in our own division, but also in the conference where, you know, you see each and every year there's always a handful of new teams in the playoffs it's very likely that the all that you know most if not all of those new teams will be in the NFC uh this year so um but always love having uh Chris on the show uh and and previewing the Bears Vikings and uh got a little schedule schedule quirk this year where uh you know yeah we got the Vikings week 18 again but they're coming to us that's the NFL screwed up here man because we, we're going to Minnesota in October and they're coming to us in January that's backwards, man. But we'll talk about it, and we have fun with it as usual. And uh, you know, this, there's no more stop me if you've heard this before. The Bears are coming to Minnesota in January. Not so fast, my friend. This year it's flipping the other way around, and we have some fun with it. So let's go ahead and dive in. It's myself and Chris Gates previewing the 2022 Minnesota Vikings here on the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Hang up the Our second team in our journey through our home division of the NFC North takes us up north to Minnesota to uh, take a visit or get a visit with the Vikings uh, and the new regime that's starting. They're basically on the same footing with the Bears as far as a new head coach, new general manager, and here to help us introduce us to all the players involved from the Daily Norseman, our good friend Chris Gates. Chris, welcome back, man. Uh, happy to be here, Larry. Happy to be here. It's going to be uh, going to be pretty interesting for both of us here. I think we. Uh, we sat down back in April and talked about stuff that happened uh, years ago, and yeah. now we get to uh, now we get to look ahead a little bit to uh, to what's going to happen. Yeah, uh, starting here in about uh, two months or so. Yeah, let's hope that this uh, conversation is only half as interesting as the one that we had back in <laughs> April, talking about that you know bananas football game in two thousand eight. Uh, you know that that crazy quarterback battle between Gus Farratt and Kyle Orton. I mean, that was one for the books. That's for sure. Yeah. The Battle of the Titans, if uh, if there ever was one. <laughs> Amen. The year before Favre, the year before Cutler, you know, came in and took over those respective teams. We had, yep. a, you know, a 90-point shootout in Soldier Field in the middle of October. <laughs> you know, yep. just like everybody thought it would be. So That totally makes sense. So, real quick, let's zip through 2021 uh, for you guys. And I think I remember talking last summer around this time um, you know, kind of speculating about what could or could not be with with Mike Zimmer. Uh, you know, he kind of had this, um, you know, good, bad, good, bad fluctuation thing with uh, the success of the team. You know, you were 13-3 and three one year, follow that up being 8-8 eight and eight the year after that, you know, that kind of thing. And wondering, you know, what would it take – uh, what would it take for him to keep his job uh, in in Minnesota? And unfortunately, getting off to a one in three start was probably not what he was looking for as far as being the head coach of this team in 2022. No, it really wasn't. I mean, uh, yeah, we, we expected a little bit of a bounce back last year. We really didn't get it. And, you know, once again, it was the defense that failed uh failed for the Vikings last year. It wasn't really an offensive issue for the most part. I mean, they had their stretches where they didn't uh, perform up as well as they could have, obviously, but uh, 
yeah, the defensive side of the ball for the second year in a row just uh, was kind of embarrassing for a Mike Zimmer coach team, to be honest. I mean, the the way they gave up points at the end of halves and at the end of games and whatnot, it was yeah. historically bad. And, yeah, that uh, that eventually led to uh, coach getting the boot. And, you know, I, I, it was just one of those things, like what happened with Denny Green a few years ago. It's just uh, one of those things that time, it's time needed to come. And, you know, that's uh, that's what happened. Yeah, Denny was a bit more consistent than uh, than Zimmer was, but uh, I, I know what you mean. Especially Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, Accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Actually, when it was nearing, uh, nearing the end, things just, uh, and anything that Denny tried to do, it just didn't seem to uh, work in getting the team. I mean, he had a lot to answer for as far as, uh, you know, 98 and trying to get back to, to that, you know, 15 and 1 and, and being the surefire best team that just fell short in the NFC title game he was never there was like he his his tenure in in minnesota never really seemed to recover from that nfc championship loss no they really didn't i mean they they got back to the playoffs in each of the next two years they got back in uh 99 and got stomped by the rams in the uh divisional round and we all know what happened in uh 2000 with the uh, the nfc NFC title game game. wow yeah 41 to nothing or something like that yeah one of the most uh, embarrassing things that uh any of us have ever had to witness i think so uh yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say about it yet. Right. And, you know, 2001, I think everyone just kind of stopped paying attention, and, you know, Dante Culpepper got hurt halfway through the year, and, you know, that I think people knew uh, right around that time that uh, Denny was probably on his way out, and, you know, that that was the, uh, the kind of collapse that we got as a result. Right. So... You know, but it, but it looked like in the beginning of last season that that the Vikings may be this snake bit team because the you you lose that game in Cincinnati, but it it kind of all hinged on an on an instant replay where the Vikings lose the football or was it the other way? Like was it the Bengals that lost the ball and the Vikings recover? I think it was. Wasn't it the, no, it, the, the, the Vikings? The, Vi- the Vikings were drive. The Vikings were driving for what could have been the. Uh, the go-ahead score, and they were in field goal range. Right. And they handed it to Dalvin Cook, and Cook put it on the ground. And, 
yeah, the Bengals got the ball back. They had a fourth and one at right around midfield, I believe it was. Yeah. And uh, they hit uh, C.J. Ozama for a huge gain and, yeah, kicked the game-winning field goal. So, But it was yeah, that, that fumble from Cook. Like, if, if it – it was one of those replays where it was – basically it came down to the call on the field because the replay wasn't helping one way or the other, and it was just the bad luck that the referees called it a fumble – on the field because replay couldn't dispute it one way or the other. So they had to just go with the call on the field. And that was Minnesota's bad luck. And then the, the loss to Arizona the week after that just kind of seemed like, okay, that's two games that Minnesota probably should have won, but they're Owen two and they have nothing to show for it. Yep. I mean, and, and like you said, it was one of those things that was weird uh, at the beginning of uh, last year. That was like uh you know, you lose that first game. It's like, well, how the heck do you lose to the Bengals? The Bengals are right. freaking terrible. And, you know, the <laughs> Bengals came within about. Uh, hold on, here's it. The uh, yeah, the Bengals came within about uh, five minutes of winning the Super Bowl last year. Right. So you know, that's, uh, yeah, that was. Uh, yeah, that it's was one of those uh, things. Just just proves that nobody really knows anything about anything. Oh yeah, I mean, and and I've been saying that this whole time, and and because I, I like to qualify things that we talk about with. And we're looking through this, looking at this through the lens of last season, because we know no two seasons are are the same. You know, every year that I mean, now there are fourteen teams each year that make the Super Bowl or the the Super Bowl, the playoffs. And I think we had what six or seven brand new teams make the playoffs last year. We're probably looking at something like that again this year, and and so on and so forth. That happens each and every season. Like, yeah, we have our usual suspects, but there's always teams that were there that make the playoffs this year that weren't even close uh, the year before. So it, it's just a, a matter of uh, like trying to predict this and say that, you know, you get lucky more than, than being right more, you know, more than not when it comes to trying to predict how the NFL is going to turn out. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. It, it, the NFL is just so fluid and there's so much turnover and, you know, it's in a way, I guess it's like baseball. Like I think the old saying in baseball is that, uh, Every team's going to win 60 games. Every team's going to lose 60 games. It's what you do with the with the 42 games yeah, or whatever 40, yeah. it is that make the difference. You know, you know most most NFL teams are going to win six or seven games. You're going to lose six or seven games, and then there's you know just uh, those extra few games that can mean the difference between being successful and uh, you know missing the playoffs again. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll have to see what happens with these teams. But uh, our, our team should be interesting this year. Absolutely, I think, if nothing else. Yeah, so I mean, if after the the one and three start, you, you you kind of back and forth, two wins here, two losses there, two wins here, two losses. You kind of did a you know a back and forth with that. After the one and three, you win two by week, you lose two. Uh, then you beat the Chargers and the Packers. That's, those were impressive wins as far as who you were beating. Then you back it up with the loss to San Francisco, and then being the team that falls to Detroit for the first time uh, last year. Then two yeah. wins on top of it, where uh, you know the uh, you have the Thursday night win over Pittsburgh, where you guys tried to give it away, uh, but in the end, thanks to Chase Claypool, uh, you were able to hang on to the win. Who's <laughs> celebrating a you know a first down with nine seconds on the clock, and then you know beating the Bears on Monday night, two more losses to the Rams and the Packers before beating the Bears to close out the year, finish eight and nine, and out goes uh, Mike Zimmer. Yep, and uh, yeah, like you said, there are a few of those games where you know 
uh, just a play here, a play there. I mean, the Vikings could have won the the Baltimore game mm-hmm. with the, uh, you know, they got an interception in overtime at about midfield, and then they wound up going three and out and uh, couldn't stop the Ravens on the second possession. Uh, already talked about the game against the Bengals. Uh, the Detroit game still just baffles me as it probably should. I mean, there's <laughs> there's five seconds left on the clock, and the Lions are. 10 yards away from the goal line and you have defenders defending five yards deep into the end zone. He doesn't have to get five yards deep into the end zone. He has to get over the goal line. Defend the goal line for God's sake. Yeah. I mean, that's what the kid did. He sat at the goal line and golf hit him right in the, in the bread basket with the ball touchdown game over Vikings lose. But yeah, like, like we said, a few plays here, a few plays there and the, the Vikings are in the playoffs and maybe Mike Zimmer stays around and, you know, it's hard to say, but, you know, those plays didn't happen, and Mike Zimmer's unemployed now, and we got a new uh, head coach in town. So let's talk about that. Um, you know, you, you not only – and the other thing was, not only did the, did you guys part with Zimmer, you parted with the general manager, Rick Spielman, who I think you reminded me more than once had been with the team through, you know, a few head coaches and was general manager for quite some time. He goes uh, out along with um, – with Zimmer, and you bring in uh, Quasi Adolfo Mensa, and then uh, you know th- uh, that that Sean McVay coaching tree. I mean, <laughs> he's just getting started as far as his yep. head coaching career, but uh, I don't think he's put a bust of a coach out there yet. As far as somebody that worked under him and then got a head coaching job of his own, so you got to be somewhat encouraged right then and there, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's been in the same room as uh, Sean McVay for some length of time, and therefore he's an offensive genius, and we're going to we're gonna definitely – I mean, what what's the worst that could happen? Sure. To God? I mean, we're, we're obviously going to see that going forward, and, uh, you know, we're going to see the return of three deep, uh, like we had in 98 and what have you. And, yeah, it's going to be sweet. I can't wait. But, no, seriously, uh, I, I think the O'Connell hire was a good hire. I mean, even after all the uh, flirtation they had with Jim Harbaugh, which shut – I don't know how much I've how much of that I ever really bought into. I mean, I, I with the with the new general manager, a young dynamic guy, not trying to bring in Jim Harbaugh just didn't. I mean, if if he's if that's the guy that Gwesi Adolfo Mensa wanted, and he took his swing, well, good on him. But I, I think the Vikings are going to be uh, pretty happy with Kevin O'Connell when uh, things are all said and done here. Yeah, I mean, I and, and what I found out that was uh, that was f- funny to me was, you know, I mean, obviously Harbaugh was coming off of a really great season in Michigan, but it was like his first really great season at Michigan. And, uh, you know, they, they had, he had a phone call with the Bears. I don't know if they want to call it an interview uh, or not. And then he, you know, has the interview with the Vikings. And basically what I was hearing was like basically he was insulted that this wasn't, you know, uh, you and us, not rolling out the red carpet, offering him the job before we even sit down to talk about what the expectations are. He was thinking the fact that he, that he was flown to Minnesota meant the job was his to take. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it sounded like he, you know, thought it was all over, but the right in signing the name on the contract and what have you. And, uh, you know, when he got there, I I don't know what happened. I mean, he went out to dinner with the, uh, with the brass and I guess he was in the interview for like eight or nine hours or something. And then, uh, then they decided they were going another direction. And it was, I don't know if this is strange or not, but, you know, the, the Harbaugh thing ended and almost immediately they announced uh, Kevin O'Connell because they there was a story that came out that said Harbaugh uh, was returning to Michigan. They were going to give him an extension and blah, blah, blah. And 
within an hour or an hour and a half of that story, the uh, the Kevin O'Connell news dropped, and so I mean, he was obviously uh, someone they were impressed with all along, and uh, yeah, I think uh, I think it's going to end up being a good choice here eventually, but it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how things play out. Yeah, because uh, I mean, it's uh, we'll, we'll see how how it uh, works out because of course it was the the Bears that kind of um, snatched Ryan Poles off of the market like the day before he was supposed to come and interview in Minnesota that he put the full court press onto Ryan Poles and don't let him leave the uh, the building. So maybe you would be the Ryan Poles Matt Eberflus uh, combo uh, if uh, Poles was able to get on that flight. It, it might be. I mean, that, that was the guy that, uh, you know, everyone wanted apparently. And, you know, uh, I mean, obviously people were impressed by him as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, like you said, he was scheduled to come in and interview with the Vikings, but the, uh, the bears got to him first. And like you said, they, uh, they didn't let him leave the building. Of course, uh, the last time the Vikings interviewed somebody and didn't let them leave the building, they wound up with Brad Childress as their head coach. So, <laughs> you know, be a, be careful of uh, of what you wish for there. Right. But uh, you know, I, I and I, I temper this as much as I probably should for a team that's in the same division as we are. But I hope I hope Poles is successful. Yeah. I mean, you know, and uh, and uh, Iberflus, and just I just hope they're not as successful as Quincy Adolfo Mensa and Kevin O'Connell. That's all. <laughs> well, you know, I have similar feelings uh, about that. I mean, I I think I've told you before. That that I was uh you know the Vikings were my other team, uh in 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 high school because uh, my favorite player after Walter Payton retired was Wal- was Warren Moon, and I was over the moon quite literally when he got traded to Minnesota because in '94 when he got traded to Minnesota there was no Sunday ticket or or anything like that so my chances to see Warren Moon play were few and far between. Now I'm getting two guaranteed games a year when he plays the Bears and whatever regional stuff that I can pick up uh, in return to see my favorite player do his thing. So, uh, you know, I had this kind of sentimental attachment to the Vikings there for a while while Warren Moon uh, was the quarterback of the team. So I, I, I have similar feelings about, I mean, not only that, but I think the better the Bears and the Vikings become, and hell, even the Lions too, we got to be taking something away from Green Bay in the process. So maybe the better we get, the worse, uh, you know, A.A. Ron up there in, in Green Bay and, and his, uh, you know, tribe get worse. And uh, we can even things out in this division once and for all. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Packers have, uh, I mean, you think they've got to take a step back eventually. I mean, they uh, they tossed out uh, Aaron Rodgers' favorite receiver. I don't know who any of their receivers are now except for, uh, well, if there's Alan Lazard, obviously, and uh, Christian Watson. You know, and I only know Christian Watson because apparently it was the biggest mistake ever for uh, the Vikings to trade with Green Bay during the draft. You to, know what? We'll talk uh, about that. Christian Watson. So, yeah, we but, will talk other, about other, that. But other, other than those two guys, I don't know who any Green Bay's receivers are. Not yeah, a lot. The, uh, like I just did my Green Bay interview with, with Evan Western from, uh, from Acme Packing Company, and uh, I was reminded when I did my homework for the conversation that um, – like the big name receiver that they signed was Sammy Watkins on a one year <laughs> veteran minimum prove it deal. Uh, yeah. you know, cause he was out there in Baltimore making like 14 million and he signed for like one year, 1.5 million to be in green Bay. So, uh, yeah. So that's, that's, uh, that's what they got yeah, going on got, out there. Gotta, gotta feel bad. Wait, no, you don't. Not even <laughs> no. 
Nope, nope, nope. Don't feel even a little bit bad for that team, but that's okay. Right. We, can, we can talk about that on another occasion. Absolutely. <laughs> so the new regime comes in. We get to free agency, and um, Kwesi starts to mold the team uh, in his uh, image. We, we uh, doesn't really look like you guys are – because like under the free agent losses list that I was able to put together, I, I'm not really seeing anybody that I can imagine you guys are going to miss too much. I mean – you know, correct me if I'm wrong. Tyler Conklin signs with the Jets. Mason Cole goes to Pittsburgh. Xavier Woods, who was probably on his way out anyways, going to Carolina. Nick Vigil, the linebacker, goes to Arizona. And Chad Beebe, the wide receiver, goes to Houston. Not exactly household names as far as my recollection of the Viking roster. Now, Conklin is a guy that is nice to have around. I mean, he, he would have been the number two tight end going into last season. Uh, but uh, Irv Smith Jr. got injured, so he wound up being the number one guy and mm. caught at least 60 passes. I can't remember what the exact number is. He got up to 60 receptions last year, and you know, with Irv Smith coming back and you know Conklin's contract expiring, uh, you know, he he was going to have to move on to somewhere else. I mean, that, the reason I say that he could be uh, potentially missed is because you know if Irv Smith uh, somehow gets hurt again or misses time this year. Yeah. There's no Tyler Conklin coming out of the bullpen to uh, to pick up his snaps or anything like that. But right. uh, uh, Mason Cole did a decent job uh, backing up uh, both Garrett Bradbury and uh, the, the right guard spot that uh, rotated around with the uh, Oli Udo and some other players. Uh, he would have been nice to keep around, but you know the Steelers threw a bunch of money at him, so uh, the Vikings uh, couldn't do that. Uh, yeah, and, and you look at the guys that have been mainstays on the defense over the last few years, you know, uh, you know, Anthony Barr still hasn't signed with anybody. Right. Uh, Everson Griffin still hasn't signed with anybody, though that probably really has very little to do with uh, football-related abilities at this point. Um, huh. Yeah, the Mackenzie Alexander hasn't signed with anybody. Uh, yeah, so there, there are some guys that have been some household names on this Vikings defense for a while that uh, – you know, just apparently haven't impressed anybody else. And now that Mike Zimmer's not around, I guess they just don't have an in with the with the Vikings anymore. So yeah, yeah, not not a lot of the uh, the free agent losses I think are going to be uh, are going to be greatly missed by the Vikings. But Tyler Conklin, uh, especially if Irv Smith gets injured, could potentially be one of those guys. Sure, those names you mentioned: Anthony Barr, Mackenzie Alexander, Everson Griffin. Those are three guys that I have you know under my question mark list. <laughs> you know, well, because the the coach that that liked him and the guy that drafted him are all gone. So yeah, it's like the and their contracts seem to expire at just the right time. So they're kind of left out there in the wind, and they don't have a friend in the front office uh, anymore. So I was just like wondering, is this something that could happen? Like around training camp, you know, bring in somebody later. God forbid somebody goes down, we bring one of these guys and you know bring them back in. They have familiarity with their teammates if, if you know if nothing else because you probably work in a different system or something defensively if uh you know with the with the new dc and 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 whatnot but uh like i was wondering what the status would be of them or, or you know could they be a late signing uh kind of thing but that also goes in line with the new regime comes in and people that you know were counted on in the past all of a sudden are looking for new homes yeah <clears throat> yeah that's uh that's exactly right i mean you know, th- there's a possibility that some of those guys could uh, could come in if uh, if somebody got hurt late. But you know, Mackenzie Alexander was not good last year. I mean, he he had some good years with the Vikings and then went to Cincinnati for a year. And you know, he came back to Minnesota and just didn't perform well. So I, I'd be surprised if he came back. Uh, 
brief, yeah, we briefly talked about Everson Griffin. Like I said, I don't think that's football related in any way. There's the uh, the other stuff that he's been dealing with, and yeah, you, know, you you sound like a dick for saying that kind of thing, but yeah. you know, it, you, if if you can't rely on the guy, you can't rely on the guy. And sure. over the last couple of years, Everson Griffin's shown that you you really can't rely on him to be on the football field. So. I mean, I, I wish him all the success in the world and getting healthy and getting himself right and, you know, doing what he wants to do with the rest of his life. But I, I'd be surprised if he played football again. And I'd be even more surprised if he played for Minnesota again. So, yeah, that's uh, yeah, that, that's all. That's about all I can say about that. And, uh, yeah, Anthony Barr had gotten some interest for some other teams in the past, uh, most notably the Jets, uh, the year he re-signed with Minnesota. Right. And, uh, yeah, he... Uh, he really hasn't gotten any interest, and there's uh, questions about his knee, whether his uh, knee condition is chronic or degenerative, and yeah, he, he might not be back either, so you never know. Right. So let's talk about some of these additions, because one of them is uh, somebody that both of our teams are familiar with, and in, in Zadarius Smith, and you know, the Vikings kind of take a flyer on him. He was hurt most of last season for the uh, Packers. They let him go to you know save calorie, salary cap space, because they decided that giving Aaron Rodgers fifty million over the next four years would uh, would be a good idea, uh, rather than you know moving on with the kid they drafted in the first round, which I think says volumes about where he must be at this point uh, in his development. Mm-hmm. Um, you sign Harrison Phillips, uh, defensive tackle away from Buffalo. Uh, Jordan Hicks comes in, the linebacker from Arizona. Chris Reed's the guard to uh, from the Colts. You got uh, the the replacement tight end is Johnny Munt from the Rams. Never heard of him before, but uh, Albert Wilson, wide receiver from Miami. Jonathan Bullard, defensive end from Minnesota. Now I know those last two names, Albert Wilson, because he was rumored to sign with the Bears bef- and join Nagy, who had you know just come over from Kansas City. You know they were in Kansas City together, and Jonathan mm-hmm. Bullard's a former third round pick of the Bears. So it, it seems that he's employing a similar strategy that. Pose was like picking guys up off the street that had been rejected by other teams, giving them the one-year prove-it deal, seeing if they play well enough to stick around. If not, no harm, no foul. We're moving on to the next one in year number two. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, like you said, a lot of those guys, uh, not not huge name splashes or anything like that. Obviously, Zadarius uh, Smith is a big one if he can stay healthy. Right. Uh, he, played, uh, he played one regular season game last year, and uh, I believe he was in the playoff loss as well. I don't think he did much. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he, he's going to be an interesting signing because uh, they're going to try to pair him with another guy that suddenly can't seem to stay healthy in uh, Daniil Hunter, who's played uh, a grand total of seven games in the last two years. And, you know, the Vikings have made decisions uh, about him each of the last two seasons and decided to give him a boatload of money. And hopefully uh, this year he can stay healthy because if those two guys can stay healthy, they're going to cause uh, issues sure. for opposing quarterbacks in a big way. And, uh I like the Harrison Phillips signing a lot, particularly uh, in the wake of them uh, cutting Michael Pierce after he uh, he opted out of the COVID year in 2020 because he's got asthma issues, and then he only played eight games uh, in uh, 2021. And he looked good when he played, but if you're only, I mean, he was only going to be on the field for about half the snaps anyway. And if you're only on the field for half the snaps of half the games, that's uh, that's not a recipe for being successful or staying employed long term. So uh, Phillips uh, had an injury a couple years back. He tore an ACL, but he uh, appears to be uh, pretty much recovered from that now. And uh, he's already making an impact in the community as far as community service uh, oh, nice. work is concerned. So, yeah, that's uh, that's going to be interest, an interesting signing. And 
you know, we'll have to see how those three guys mesh, uh, particularly with the uh, the new three-four kind of centric scheme that it sounds like the uh, the Vikings are going to be bringing in this year. So before we get to the draft, you know, what did what was kind of um, you know Quasi Adolfo's message when he came in? You know, because obviously culture was a big thing for for Ryan Poles. Uh, you know, changing the 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 culture. It seemed like the inmates were running the asylum there at the end. Uh, under Nagy, like there was no accountability and and things like that. Guys were just basically doing whatever they wanted. They didn't believe in what what they were doing and uh, and things like that. So that was that was something that 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 Ryan Poles talked about. He also talked about raising the toughness uh, of the team. We're, you know, we're looking for you know for hitters and you know ballers, tough guys that you know lunch pail guys, guys that want to come in and work and. Uh, and all that kind of stuff. What what kind of message was was your new GM delivering when he was uh, when he you know got his first FaceTime with the media? I think one of the big ones for both uh, Quasi Dofomenta and Kevin O'Connell was to uh, to kind of change the uh, the way that uh, the team did things as a whole. I think when uh, when Mike Zimmer well, it was after Mike Zimmer got fired, obviously, but uh, when they asked Eric Kendricks about it, the words that he used were a uh, fear based coaching. Like dudes were afraid. Dudes were afraid to make mistakes. Dudes were afraid to just kind of play and go with the flow and whatnot because they were going to get their asses chewed if they did something wrong. Sure, and, sure. You know, I guess. Uh, you know, I mean, Zimmer was an old school, tough guy type head coach. I mean, not a, not really a players' coach. Although it's kind of hard to tell what a players' coach is anymore, I guess. But uh, yeah, I think a lot of that was you know kind of an openness and a willingness to listen. Uh, and yeah, I think that's been a lot of what uh, what the team has tried to emphasize uh, since the uh, regime changed over in uh, January and February and what have you is, you know, if you have ideas, go ahead and let us know. We'll at least listen to your ideas as opposed to Zimmer, who just kind of wanted to do the same thing. And, you know, the other thing was, you know, there were a lot of rumblings going around uh, at the end of last season that uh, Rick Spielman and... Uh, Mike Zimmer were never, ever really on the same page. That's why you see the Vikings draft a bunch of guys in the third round and never actually play them because uh, they were guys that Spielman wanted and Zimmer uh, really didn't have any use for. And uh, Adolfo Mensa and O'Connell have made it pretty clear that they're singing from the same sheet of music and uh, and that sort of thing. And I think that's uh, that's going to be the biggest thing that we're going to see change with the Vikings this year. And it's that sounds very familiar as far as the situation here. Uh, in Chicago, you could kind of tell by the way things were going on the field that the coach and the GM weren't on the same page uh, anymore because Nagy was um, basically went out of his way at times to not play the younger guys, especially when it was clear the season had got out of hand. And mm-hmm. the Bears aren't making the playoffs with another five-game losing streak in the middle of the season uh, and things like that. Nothing is working on offense. Nagy sticking to his guns, like you said, Zimmer was sticking to his guns, was doing his best to get our quarterback murdered. This young rookie quarterback that everyone was so excited about, you know, constantly leaving him out there with no no tight end, you know, not keeping tight ends in to give him some protection and helping out the offensive line when they were kind of overmatched because we had big, heavy offensive linemen as opposed to guys that could handle an outside pass rush. And th- I mean, God bless Jason Peters. The guy still played like a Hall of Famer, you know, whatever we, whatever he had left in the tank, he gave to the Bears last year. You know, I was like, if I could pick an MVP of the season last year, I, you know, 
as a former offensive lineman, I'm biased as hell, but I would pick Jason Peters because we got way more out of him than I think anybody bargained for uh, on that one. Like when we signed him, it's like, what, we're going to get him for like, what, four games? and He's going to be hurt the rest of the year. That guy played his ass <laughs> off last year, and I think he only missed like two games, which was outstanding based on what he had done in Philadelphia the last three or four uh, seasons uh, and everything. But it's like our new regime comes in, Luke Getze, Matt Eberflus, talking about, you know, upping the intensity. Um, and what was music to everybody's ears in Chicago was, we're going to put our guys in the best position to succeed, which mm-hmm. just is like, oh, compared to listening to Nagy talk about the, the system works, they just need to execute. The system works, we're just, we need to improve our execution and all that. And it's like, what the hell are you idiots doing in practice if nobody knows how to run these plays? You know, and it's just hearing them say those things. Like, obviously, it's you know, nobody won a Super Bowl in in, in February as far as the off season goes. Yeah. You know, nobody's ever won it in February. Nobody's mm-hmm. ever won it in March. You win it on the field in the practice field and so on and so forth. So, saying all those beautiful things, you know, at that time, um, it's uh, put your money where your mouth is. Time, you know, because the Bears they start training camp next Saturday, and mm-hmm. you know, we're all ready to see is this team going to be something. Or are the talking heads right, you know, because all of a sudden they have a hard-on on the Bears being the worst team in the NFL uh, this year. So it's like, are they going to be right about that? Or are we going to defy the odds and, and uh, you know, we got the right guys in, in-house and, and we're going to make some changes and, and do some things? And hearing the same thing from the Vikings about, you know, changing culture and putting our guys in the best spots to succeed, being adaptable as opposed to being rigid, and that rigid thing doesn't work. No, it really doesn't. I mean, and it, and it went through basically the entire franchise. I mean, th- there was always words swirling around that uh, Mike Zimmer never wanted Kirk Cousins. I don't think Cousins cared much for Zimmer either, but Cousins was never actually going to come out and, like, say that or anything. But, uh, yeah. you know, you saw things like, you know, the Vikings lost that game to the Packers last year, and, you know, Cousins had missed that game with COVID, and Sean Mannion looked awful. And there's a reporter that uh, – stood up and said, okay, before the season finale against Chicago, are you guys going to give uh, Kellen Mond a few snaps? And Zimmer was just like, nah. And that was basically it. It was just, nah, we're not even going to bother. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, I, I don't know if he thought if, uh, you know, winning that last game against the Bears and getting to 8-9 and nine was potentially going to save his job. I, I think he was, a, he was a dead man walking long before that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, he was just like, nah, not going to play him. Uh, Y'all drafted Wyatt Davis in the third round. We're not going to play him either. Um, you know, because they're just not guys he wanted to play. We we trot Dakota Dozier out there for a few games a year, but no, we don't want to give Wyatt Davis an opportunity <laughs> to see if he actually belongs or anything. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it, it was bad. It got ugly toward the end. I don't think it got Denny Green ugly toward the end or anything like that. But it was still a. Uh, it, it ended much worse than it needed to end. Yeah, I, think. I mean, it's like not. Let, let's not uh, get uh, you know Larry Borum or or or, or um, you know Jenkins out there. Uh, a tackle. Let's keep trotting out Jason Peters and Jermaine Afidi when we're, you know, six and nine going into the last two games of the season. Let's start Bruce Irvin at, at outside linebacker and make him a captain because he used to play for the Seahawks when we play the Seahawks. Jermaine Afidi was a captain against the Seahawks because he used to play for the Seahawks. Let's not <laughs> trot the young guys out there and see what they got and, you know, help the franchise going forward. You know, you, you can't imagine that you winning a game when when the season's already over is going to save your job. I mean, but it was looked like he was openly defying 
you know, the the fact that, uh, you know, Pace had drafted these guys. We want these younger guys to get out there. Um, it's like as soon as David Montgomery was healthy, we never saw Khalil Herbert again, essentially. We, yeah. you know, we very rarely saw him out there, even though he was wildly productive while David Montgomery was hurt and he was our first option. And we mm-hmm. put him, you know, David Montgomery comes back. He's the workhorse again. We almost never see uh, Khalil Herbert. Uh, we didn't see Daz Newsom, who we drafted in the sixth round at wide receiver. I think he had like a handful of snaps the whole season. Things like that, like over and over again. It was like, why are we trotting these guys out there? They're not coming back next year. We got these rookies. Let's see what they can do. You know, maybe, the, you know, it works and they win some football games or we see something that we, you know, want to take advantage of in 2022. No, nah, but let's just keep throwing Marquise Goodwin out there. Let's keep throwing uh, Jermaine Afidi and, you know, and all these guys that aren't going to play. Number one, aren't going to be on the team next year. And number two, aren't going to be playing and stuff like Let's just keep trotting them out there. Uh, you know, putting the veterans out there, putting the quote-unquote best team on the field as opposed to seeing if there's a way to improve this football team next year by getting this young guy some snaps. It was mind-numbingly frustrating on top of everything else uh, to watch mm-hmm. uh, last season. So, yeah, I, I got a feeling you guys are, you know, felt the same way as the season was uh, was winding down. So, Pretty okay. Much. Yeah. So let's talk about this draft, um, Chris, because um, – is is Quasi aware that the Packers and the Lions are in division and you're not supposed <laughs> to trade with them? I mean, is it is mentally is he still in Cleveland so it's okay to trade with these teams because I'm sitting here watching the draft and I'm like what the hell's he doing? Why why mm-hmm. is he helping Detroit? Why is he, and in the second round, why is he helping Green of all teams? Why is he helping Green Bay? I mean, it could be the biggest draft bust of all time. Christian Watson is one of the biggest boomer bust prospects in this draft. So that could, you could just, you know, in the end, it could be like, oh, well, we fleeced Green Bay for some, you know, draft picks here. But all, like on the face of it, it's like they needed wide receiver help and you let them trade up to get one of the best that was still left on the board. What the hell are you guys doing, man? Uh, that, that was kind of the reaction we had. We were doing a uh, live draft uh, analysis uh, on uh, Vikings report with Drew and Ted. I, uh, I hung out with the guys for the, uh, the first two nights of the NFL draft. And, uh-huh. you know, we're, we sit in there, we're getting, we get to number 12 and the Vikings are on the board. And we're like, are they going to take Jamison Williams here? Are they going to take Kyle Hamilton? Are they going to do? And, and then all of a sudden Detroit's on the board and you're like, wait, Detroit was down at 32. Well, well, what did they get? They, they got next year's first rounder, didn't they? No, they didn't get next year's first rounder either. None of us knew what the hell they were doing at the time. And, you know, I mean, Quasi Quasi had his guy that he wanted, and I guess he, I mean that's the great thing about the NFL draft. Everybody gets their guy, whether right. they actually got their guy or not. Everybody gets their guy. But uh, you know, they they like Lewis seen a lot, and they thought twelve was too early for him, so they uh, they swung a couple of deals, and well, they swung the one deal that dropped them down to thirty two, and you know that uh, that seemed like a really weird trade. I mean, you know. The, if you go on different value charts, you can see, you can say different teams won the uh, won the trade or whatever. But yeah. you know, I mean, Quasi comes from this uh, this analytics background that I'm not going to pretend that I understand because I don't. Right. But uh, yeah, apparently something about it told him that uh, that was a good enough deal to get from Detroit and a good enough deal to get from Green Bay, and he took him because he was uh, more focused on. Uh, what it meant for his team and what it meant for their teams, I guess. I mean, that's, that's about the best explanation that I can give you. 
Yeah, maybe a year or two from now, he won't make moves like that when he understands the rivalry between these teams and uh, how, you know, even even if these things work out, you still made a deal with Detroit to get them a, a weapon that can hurt you uh, mm-hmm. with, with, with Jamison Williams. If he works out close to anything, I mean, he would have been a much higher draft choice had he not blown out his knee in the, in the national championship. He would not have been there at 12. Uh, for for Detroit to trade up to or for you guys to possibly steal at 12. He would have been the first guy off the board uh, up in the 4-5 or five area of the of – the, he may have gone higher than that anyway. But it's just, mm-hmm. um, you know, to, 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 to make the trade with Detroit uh, – I mean, and you got a decent haul. You got the – you know, you dropped down to 32. You got 34. And the third rounder at, at 66. So yep. if, and I don't know if there was anything else on top of that, but it was like, it's, it's not a bad trade as far as the numbers are concerned and, and what you got in return for one pick uh, and everything. But you kind of just went out of your way to help one of your, to help a team that not only can hurt you, but can hurt you twice a year if things work out for them. I mean, I know we're talking about the Lions here, but come on, you know, they're, they're, they're working to improve and you just played right into their hands on this one as far as handing over an opportunity to get somebody that could potentially be the best wide receiver in this class. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, maybe it works out for the, the, the Packers and the lions and the Vikings, and maybe it, uh, maybe it doesn't, but uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's the way Quasi is going to do things. At least for now, like you said, maybe he doesn't quite grasp the, uh, the gravity of the, the rivalry between uh, the teams in the NFC North, but uh you know, the AFC North had rivalries, too. I'd have to look back and see if, you know, the, the Browns were making trades with the Bengals or the Ravens or right. the Steelers or anything like that. But, you know, like I said, he was more focused on what these deals meant for the Vikings and what they meant for the Lions and the Packers. And, you know, that that's just the way he chose to approach it, I guess. I mean, people people might not have cared for it, but, yeah. uh, you know, that's what happened. And there's, it can't be undone now, so hopefully right. it, just, uh, it just works out. Well, for me, it was... <laughs> Uh, it was it was twofold. Number one, it was it was the shock of making a trade with a division rival, um, uh, regardless of the haul that he brought in. It's like, but it's Detroit. But at the same time, it's like maybe he's like, look, guys, it's the Lions. Come on, you know, let let, let him take the guy. I got the picks from him. You know, it's like the, those picks they got from the Rams, they're mine now. So we're gonna be using those and everything. But when it really kind of flipped to what the hell is this guy doing was top of the draft in the second round. We're just barely getting things underway uh, on Friday night. And it's like, like you said earlier, we're talking about what the Vikings are going to do here. And then all of a sudden the Packers are on the clock and it's like, did they trade with the Packers? (laughs) What is this guy doing? And, you know, of course they trade christian watson and i'm sitting in my living room ready to start throwing shit at the television it's not even my team we're talking about it's like what what you what <laughs> like they traded away Devonte adams and you give him a chance to draft a guy that could take his place what the hell is going on up there in minnesota so yeah, I, go ahead. like i said I, I really don't know i mean it, it's it's Quasi's first draft and you know <laughs> it, it, you know he, he's gonna he's gonna have a learning curve and, sure sure you know, hopefully Hopefully, like I said, it works out better for the Vikings than it works out for Detroit and Green Bay. And we're not going to know for sure for two or three years anyway. Right. So we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. And maybe, uh, you know, maybe it provided – go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, maybe, maybe in the end it will be the, uh, the Packers that, or the Lions that regret, uh, you know, giving the Vikings extra stuff and letting them draft uh, Lewis Seen or yeah. 
whatever the case might be. And that's great if that works out. But, you know, <laughs> at the time, it provided some uh, some kind of heart-stopping moments because the Bears were, hadn't been on the clock yet. You know, they didn't make a, their first pick until 39. So this is what I was working with, you know, waiting for that 39th pick to finally uh, come around. <laughs> and I'm watching one of our division rivals trade with another division rival. It's like... What is and then the you know like I said the cherry on top was making the deal with Green Bay so they could trade up and get Christian Watson. It's like okay, so not only did they make a trade with the Packers, not only did they make a trade that allowed the Packers to get one of the best wide receivers left on the board. This was also a guy that was supposed to fall to thirty nine and become a Chicago Bear. So you're now you're <laughs> affecting our draft board at the same time. What the hell's going on up there in Minnesota? So, but. With those picks, you, you make the trade with um, Green Bay. Uh, so you're not picking at 34. You bump down to 42. You got seen at the end of the first round, the safety out of Georgia. and the, Was it Georgia? Yes. Okay. And then the second round, you basically did the opposite of what the Bears did. You went safety first, corner second, where the Bears went corner first, safety second. And the corner you picked up at 42, between the Bears' two draft choices at 38 and, or 39 and 48, was Andrew Booth the junior uh, Andrew Booth Jr. out of uh, Clemson? Yeah, that, and that was a really nice pick. I mean, they they traded down as you mentioned. They made the trade down with Green Bay, and uh, then they traded back up uh, with Indianapolis to get themselves in position to draft Booth because I think they knew that the uh, the run on corners was coming eventually. Yeah, and uh, they wanted to uh, to get their hands on one. And Booth uh, Booth is another guy that probably could have been a first round. Uh, choice. He had uh, some sports hernia surgery uh, after the year. I don't think he did a lot, at, if anything, at the combine or at pro days or anything like that. But uh, you know, he's pretty impressive. He's got size. He's uh, he's got aggression, and you know that that's the kind of player that uh, this defense needs in the secondary. With uh, Patrick Peterson not getting any younger, and you know there are a bunch of young guys here, but we don't know how they're going to work out yet necessarily. So uh, yeah, that that was a pretty solid pick. I like the Andrew Booth pick a lot. And then with uh, one of the picks you got from Green Bay at 59 uh, in the second round, you take the guard, Ed Ingram, uh, from LSU. Uh, the, th- the third rounder you got from Detroit at 66 is uh, is it Brian Asamoah from uh, yeah. linebacker out of uh, Oklahoma. So, yeah. you know, good prospects from big schools that have seen big-time competition uh, and four picks in the top 66. So not a bad haul for the, for the Vikings for day one and day two. No, I think they did really well. I mean, there was a lot of heartburn about the uh, the Ingram pick because of uh, off-field concerns. But, you know, a guy like uh, Quasi Adolfo Mensa, I don't think he would have uh, taken a guy like Ed Ingram if he wasn't uh, completely uh, confident and hadn't done his uh, due diligence to make sure that uh, that everything was clean and clear and what have you. And, you know, he's obviously going to compete for the right guard spot, which has basically been a black hole for about uh, – 10 years now for the Vikings offensive line. So we'll see how he works out. And, uh, you know, Asamoah, we talked about uh, Anthony Barr not coming back. And, you know, this is the kind of guy that could uh, could step in and provide some of what Anthony Barr does. I mean, he's pretty athletic. He can uh, get from sideline to sideline the way that Barr uh, used to in his prime. But, uh, yeah, those were those were four pretty solid picks. Like you said, uh, big-name uh, schools, big-name competition, you know, Georgia, Clemson, LSU, and Oklahoma. I mean, doesn't get up a lot bigger than that in college football. So, yeah, that's a, that's kind of what the focus was those first two days, I guess. And then it seemed to be the theme of the remainder of the draft in day three 
uh, all the guys that you picked up were from were from uh, Power Five schools: Missouri, Minnesota, mm-hmm. North Carolina, Illinois, Michigan State, South Carolina. So not the top tier of the Power Five, but you're not taking anybody out of Fresno State or Southern Utah like Ryan Poles did. You're actually yeah. you know pulling from guys that are playing the the top level of competition in uh, in college football. Yeah, and I know that. Uh... You know, Rick Spielman took some uh, took some swings at some small school guys and things of that nature. Some of them worked out, and some of them didn't. But you know, these are these are the kind of guys that the new regime is looking for. Guys that have uh, been there in the big situations, have faced the uh, the top competition in the in the land in college, and you know, can hopefully uh, translate that into uh, performance in the National Football League when the situation dictates. So, yeah, I mean. Maybe in the future we'll see uh, more of those small school guys on the on the radar in Minnesota, but uh, for this first time around, we uh, we wanted to keep it simple and go with the uh, go with the big name schools, I guess. Are you aware of the the name bracket thing that Pride of Detroit does every year? I am. I am. Okay. It's very cool. Yeah, and and you guys seem to have drafted some guys that uh, could have made the bracket uh, this <laughs> year: a uh, Caleb Evans, uh, a Sezi Otomiwo, Otomiwo. Uh, yeah. Vidarian Low, uh, Jalen. Yeah, <laughs> you know Asamoah is a good name that probably would have made the cut. Jalen Naylor yep. and and things like that is like got some got some multi you know syllabic uh, names out there, some colorful uh, you know and uh, and results uh, out there that the uh, that the Vikings picked up in day three. Yeah, I mean uh, there's there's some there's some reasons to get excited there. There's some potential for some of those guys. I like. Uh, I like Vidarian Lowe as a potential swing tackle, and he's got a pretty uh, significant backstory. He uh, he wound up adopting one of his younger brothers after his, uh, I believe it was after his mother passed away. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wound up taking guardianship of uh, one of his brothers and you know guiding him through uh, high school and stuff like that, all while uh, performing pretty well for the Fighting Alliance. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there's there's a there's a lot of uh, potential in those day three picks, and you know, like we've already said, they're uh, they're big name. Uh, teams, well, I mean, big name conferences. I mean, the Big Ten, SEC, uh, things of that nature. So, sure. yeah, it's uh, that, that was definitely the theme of the draft for this year for the Vikings, just uh, trying to accumulate talent and you know guys that have been on the big stage before. So we come to the main event, and that of course is the 2022 uh, schedule. And, and Chris, you and I, especially over the last six seasons, uh, have had a lot of fun <laughs> with the schedule because. We always have a similar theme. Like the first matchup could be anywhere from, you know, week four all the way, you know, like last year, we didn't see you for the first time till that Monday night game week 15. And then we see you again a few weeks later to close out the year at, 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 at week 18. But it was always that week 17, week 18 matchup. You could count on it. You know, you could, you could time, you, you know, you know, uh, you know, turn your watch to it. Uh, that Minnesota home, Hosting the Bears, week 17, week 18 to close out the year. Write it down because that's what the NFL is going to do. But then the schedule comes out in May, and it's like, okay. So week one, you're at Green, you know, home for Green Bay. Week two, oh, Monday night game right off the board and home for Detroit. Oh, you guys are going to the U.K. Week five, there's the Bears. Wait a minute. <laughs> Bears at Vikings week five? Was like, Hold week on a five. second here. Scroll down a little bit. Vikings at Bears week eighteen. What the hell's going on here? What what's like? Did, it's like this is wrong. So I I literally Chris 
logged out of that page, moved on to another one to make sure that they didn't screw that up. And sure enough, everywhere I looked, it's Vikings at Bears week 18 instead of Bears at Vikings. We're in the upside down, man. It's like this, you know, the world's coming to an end. I mean, what, what's going on here? And I, I told you every year that eventually it was going to flip around and, you know, it was going to be the middle of January and the Vikings are going to have something important on the line. They're going to have to go into Soldier Field and they're going to just trip all over themselves. And because that when they go to Soldier Field, that's just what they do. Yeah, that, that's their thing. So, you know, I mean, and this is the year that it finally happens. I mean. You know that the Vikings aren't taking their bye after they come back from the UK in the uh, the week four game. They're they're playing a divisional game at home, and the Vikings will have all three of their divisional home games done by week five. Wow, that's so, right. Look at that. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, that's going to be something to uh, see. Hopefully, that won't uh, come back to bite them later on in the season or anything like that. But yeah, they got. Uh, Green Bay at home in week one, Detroit at home week three, Chicago at home week five, and yeah, they're they're done with their NFC North home games before yeah. uh, before Columbus Day. I, I am uh, I am disappointed in myself. I'm usually pretty good at picking <laughs> up on those things. It's like, but look at that, Green yep. Bay week one uh, at home week three, Detroit at home week five, the Bears at home, and uh, you know you've got a trip to the UK in there. You got a Monday night game on the road, and then at Miami uh, in the. And what will potentially still be a, like a ninety-five degree game in, in mid-October uh, yeah. on the road at Minnesota or at Miami? That's going to suck. Before you take the bye week seven, and then after that, instead of this home away home away thing that you did for the first six weeks, then they start bunching it up on you. You have you have Minnesota, excuse me, Arizona at home after the bye, but then back-to-back road games at Washington, at Buffalo, and then three straight home games, including. Hosting Green Bay, or excuse me, hosting New England on Thanksgiving. You're home for the Cowboys, the Patriots on Thanksgiving Day, and then the Jets before you finally go back out on the road to Detroit again. Yeah, that's uh, that's gonna be that's gonna be weird. I mean, I mean, hope, this this will be the first time ever that the Vikings have hosted a uh, hosted Thanksgiving game. Obviously, because you know, up until recently, the only two Thanksgiving host teams were Detroit and Dallas, and then mm-hmm. a few years ago they. They added the third game, and you know Minnesota's played a lot of times on Thanksgiving, but this will be the first uh, home game they have, and they get to uh, they get to welcome the hoodie and company to town. So that's uh, that's going to be yeah, definitely going to be interesting. And then we have our Thursday night games out of the way for the year, which is uh, which is pretty nice. So yeah, they're uh, they're kind of bunching things up, and yeah, we're gonna we're gonna see U.S. Bank Stadium a lot there uh, after the bye, it would appear. Yeah, three three out of five uh, on the road to finish out the year after the Jets game, after the three game homestand at Detroit, back to back home games, and and, and kind of like uh, twenty twenty, uh, last home game uh, you know is the week sixteen, and then on the road the last two weeks at Green Bay at Chicago, which I still can't wrap my head around, but no. you know you you get and you know and there it is again in the in the in the first five weeks you got all three division home games and in the last five weeks you have the three division road games including back-to-back at the at the end of the season yep just the uh, the nfl balancing things out i guess just uh, <laughs> just keep keeping it weird as only the nfl can right 
Yeah, so I mean, as like I said, I'm I'm disappointed that I didn't catch up that I didn't catch on to that when uh, looking at the schedule. I guess I just got distracted by at Chicago week 18, <laughs> and I I couldn't see anything else after that. So, and that's, that's completely understandable because that yeah. should be the reaction from uh, everybody, pretty much. That's, so, uh, well, I yeah. mean, especially if you guys, I mean, because in this is, I mean, obviously, with you know, history's dictates more than likely it's Green Bay's division to lose but you know so it's all three teams playing for second place and you got one regime that's in year two and two that are in year one back you know behind the uh behind the Packers here so you know anybody could grab second place and with the way that the rivalry's history goes the last thing you want to do is play a meaningful game in Soldier Field at the end of the season because we I mean we did a whole hour and a half earlier this uh the spring talking about how weird things can get in Soldier Field when the Vikings come to town yeah I mean like you said this uh or like I've said numerous times before uh you know Soldier Field has always been kind of a weird place for the Vikings to go and do anything and now like I said if we go into the uh the last week of the season and there's something on the line for the Vikings or for the Bears or whatever the case may be and we're in part of that uh, late 325 central time window when you know all the, the games that actually matter in week 18 are going on and right. yeah it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens because you know the so Soldier Field has just not been good to Minnesota over the years I mean they've had some success there recently but uh, you know I, I just wouldn't trust them being able or having to go into a, into a must-win situation against the Bears in the Soldier Field in Week 18, no matter how bad the the Bears are, or how good. Yeah, the Vikings and are. that's what that's what makes it that's what makes it interesting. Is that I mean, I remember I think it was 2016. The Bears are one and five. The Vikings are five and one, looking like one of the better teams in the league that come into soldier field on Monday night football and get ragdolled by the one in five, like a team that couldn't figure out to, how to run the football to save its life. We Jordan Howard had like the game of his life that night on Monday night. And we beat the Vikings. Like who saw that coming, but the Vikings <laughs> were playing in soldier field. So that means the bears, no matter how good or bad they are, are going to come away with the, W because you guys returned the favor when we saw you later that year in Minnesota, but it's just like, that's how this rivalry works. You throw out the record books. I mean, I know not, it's not your favorite thing to talk about, but the famous Devin Aroma should do game in 2009, you know, you guys are 12 and three or whatever it was going into that game. The bears are, you know, six and eight or so, you know, their season's over with, we're just playing out the string and we go on and, you know, and beat you guys in Monday, uh, in, in overtime, uh, on Monday night in a game you had to have if you wanted to have home field in the playoffs, something that played heavily into how the playoffs ended up, you know, having to go to New Orleans instead of them and come to you uh, for that NFC uh, title game. But it's like you can throw out the record books literally when the Bears and the Vikings get together because it doesn't matter. Uh, the, those teams show up when they're at home against the other. Absolutely. I mean, there's there's been a lot of the, the history between these two teams where the uh, – the Bears haven't had a lot of success in uh, in Minnesota, and the Vikings haven't had any success in Chicago. And you know you shouldn't count on either one of those teams going on the road and right. winning in the other team's building. But right. you know, like we said, they they both had some success on uh, on the other team's turf over the last few years. And you know, I, I personally hope that that Week 18 game doesn't uh, doesn't have anything important riding on it. But uh, if it does, you know, that's uh, just another thing for the uh, the new regime to hopefully. Uh, try to overcome and 
Let's see what happens. It'll be interesting. I mean, I, I am really looking forward to this season getting started for several reasons. Number one, uh, I want to see how right or wrong the talking heads are going to be about my guys finishing not only last in the division, but being literally one of the worst teams uh, uh, in the NFL uh, this year. Uh, I, I want to see if um, you know Luke Getze and company are good on their word about putting our offense in the best position uh, to succeed, and you know they're going to be adaptable and what works, what doesn't work this year. You might not see it next week because we're going to flip it to something else and, you know, all that kind of stuff. They're going to put guys out there on the field and as opposed to, you know, I've got a core, you know, i got a core bunch of guys. They're the ones that are going out there, even though this guy's been lighting it up in practice. This is my veteran. I want him out there uh, running it and stuff like that. And I'm interested to see, can can Detroit take a step in, in year number two? You know, I, I – I can't imagine they'll go 0 11 and one before winning their first game of the season uh, this year, but it's the Lions, so you never know. And then we'll see what happens with with uh, the, the the next hire off of the uh, McVeigh uh, coaching tree. Can he bring success to Minnesota that we've already seen happen in Green Bay and Cincinnati uh, thus far? So I mean, it's uh, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll we'll see how it all works out. I can't wait for the season to get started so we can start answering some of these questions. No, absolutely not. I mean, uh, we've got, let me look at the old calendar here. We've got uh, the Vikings rookies reporting to camp in uh, in 12 days. And uh, two weeks from today, uh, training camp will be uh, well and truly underway in uh, in Egan, Minnesota for the Vikings as a whole. And yeah, yeah we uh, and we can finally get into the, uh, the preseason and, you know, finally have some actual football to talk about because, God, this is the worst part of the year. It really is. For, That's why I do this. Year. That's why I do this during this time of year, so I can fill in the gaps somehow. Because I love doing these shows and, and having you guys on and previewing the teams and, and looking forward. But more than anything, I am doing this to pass the time because this June July part of the year. Uh, because as far as the off season, we've got something to look forward to until mid May now. Now that the schedule comes out after the draft instead of before it, but once that once that draft or that schedule comes out, we got nothing. Like, yeah, there's OTAs and mini camps and stuff like that, but, you know, nothing's really happening there. They're not hitting each other or, you know, the Bears were and they got in trouble for it, but what are you going to do? I mean, God forbid the NFL push, punish football players for practicing football and football practice, but, you know, that's uh, how they want to roll uh, these days. But, mm-hmm. you know, this is truly, like I've called it many times, the vast wasteland of the off season where nothing is happening and we're nearing the end. The Bears uh, rookies report on the 23rd. We got veterans on the 25th, and we don't stop until uh, at the very earliest January 8th when week 18 rolls around. So I'm all for that finally getting here. Absolutely. I mean, the, yeah, this this is this is really the roughest time of the year for, for football fans Absolutely and, is. and sports fans in general because, I mean, you know, I, I like baseball as much as the next guy, but, I mean, now there there's no football, there's no hockey, there's no there's basketball. really nothing else going on but yeah. uh, but baseball at this point but uh, yeah it, it's going to be nice to uh, to see uh, the NFL and college football finally uh, get things back together here again and you know it, it's been way too long since uh, since week 18 and it, it's time to uh, to get things going again. Amen to that. Um, looking forward to seeing what uh, what Detroit releases to the world being the Hard Knocks team this year too. <laughs> A, a lot of uh, a lot of kneecap biting, I would imagine, is uh, <laughs> is on tap for uh, for hard knocks this 
Yeah, Jeremy Jeremy Reisman from Pride of Detroit is excited uh, about it, and I was like, "Well, we'll keep an eye out for you, Jeremy, because I know you'll be at practice." So we'll uh, we'll see if we can get a, a Jeremy Reisman cameo to look forward to on HBO uh, <laughs> when they get underway here in a few weeks. So, oh, Chris, this has always been a good time, man. And uh, you know, like I said, the vast wasteland of the off season, it really is hell for us content creators because you it really is. you literally have to pull it out of thin air sometimes. I mean. You know, I had to get you on the phone to talk about a game that took place 14 years ago to, as, as a way of trying to fill in the gaps uh, back in April. So that's the kind of offseason it's been for me. I literally had to make up something uh, to talk about because I'm also not much of a draft analyst uh, kind of guy. I love the draft, and I'll watch every second of it when it happens, but I'm not that guy that's going to sit here and talk about DV, DBs and their, you know, their, their fluidity and their hips and their quick feet. And yeah. this is like, none of that stuff really interests me. I just, you know, I'll let those guys do their job and tell me why, um, you know, the guys that the Bears drafted were good moves for us and, you know, Jaquan Brisker and, uh, and, and what have you and, and, you know, what those guys are going to do for us as opposed to trying to figure it out for myself. Because, uh, yeah. you know, I'm just not looking for that kind of stuff. No, me neither, to be honest. I mean, there, there's a there's a place for the, you know, the analytics and the, the kind of stat nerd guys. Oh, and God sure. bless them yeah. for, for doing what they do. But, you know, I, I really don't care about most of that stuff, to be honest. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I just, I just want to sit down and talk about football and write about football and watch football and do yeah. Know, pretty much whatever is connected to football at this point. So, uh, Amen. yeah, and I think that's uh, that's the biggest part of this. I am, I'll listen to the uh, the nerds and the numbers guys and whatnot, but sure. that, that's just not, that's just not my thing. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. That, that's why stuff like this is so great. Absolutely. Well, Chris, we always love having you on, and and uh, as far as like uh, everybody in the division, I think we have the short. No, actually, we got Green Bay Week Two. I was going to say we got the shortest wait between now and the first time we get to talk. Uh, this year so I get to talk to Evan again before I talk to you because we play him week two in our legally mandated Sunday night football appearance in Lambeau (laughs) against Green Bay Uh, you know just like I mean the NFL broke the law and they've got Chicago hosting Minnesota week 18 as opposed to what the law has been for the last six or seven years and and the Vikings hosting us and uh, but they did follow the law that we you know if, if we're going to Lambeau turn the lights on we're playing at 7 p.m. whether it's on Thursday Sunday or Monday it's prime time mm-hmm. Bears, Packers, uh, you know, uh, and everything. But we got to week five, and uh, we'll have to get used to there not being frigid temperatures and snow on the ground when we're talking about the Bears going to Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to be different. I mean, I mean, the, uh, <laughs> I mean, the last the last couple of years, I mean, we haven't really had to care about the uh, the week eighteen game because nobody had anything to play for. Right and at that point, we were both uh, out of the playoff hunt in. 2020 and 2021 when uh, when the last game of the year between our two teams came around but uh, you know this year the uh, the trip to Minnesota is actually going to be relevant for both teams and you know it might be the trip to Chicago that doesn't mean anything for anyone or sure. it might mean something or both you of know, us yeah that, that's a uh, that's what uh, like I said it's just the NFL uh, trying to keep things interesting as best they can and we'll uh, we'll see if they were successful yeah and with the <laughs> And with all of the quarterbacks that were traded, they were all traded to the AFC. So it's like the NFC right now is the Wild West. It is wide open uh, right now. With uh, with It's like Aaron Rodgers and Matthew Stafford, maybe Dak Prescott. And then after that, it's up for grabs. Whereas in the AFC, name a team that doesn't have a good quarterback. That, that'll be a much shorter list than one that does. 
have, you know. I mean, like the AFC West, Mahomes, Carr, uh, Russell Wilson. Uh, I mean, it's just it's bananas out there uh, in the AFC mm-hmm. West. I mean, it's it's going to be lucky to see. I mean, and I and I forgot to you know to mention Herbert just now. I mean, he might end up being the best of all of them when it's all said and done with the way that the first two years of his career uh, have gone, and that's just one division. So yep. I mean. Yeah, but in the NFC, it's like you got maybe one one guy here in each division, and then the rest of it's you know a bunch of up and comers trying to take spots and uh, and everything. Because I the we have a new like uh, uh, channel you know on YouTube. It's the CHGO. It's all Chicago based. Like every sport, every team's got its own show, its own channel. You know that kind of thing. And they did a an episode an episode where they were talking about you know Justin Fields where would you rank him in each of the conferences as like among the, like the quarterbacks in this conference in the AFC, I think he came in at like 11 or something like that. But in the NFC, he was like five because there are only <laughs> like four guys that you would, t- you would rather have than him in the NFC. And then you throw Justin Fields because you like him better than these other 10 guys uh, in the, yep. uh, in the conference, in the AFC, we got into double digits before we started talking about Justin Fields being a legitimate spot. You know, like, yeah, I would rather have him here than this guy. We got to like 10 or 11 before Justin Fields became part of the discussion. But in the NFC, thank God, his home conference, he was like five uh, on that list. It was remarkable, <laughs> the, the discrepancy from one conference to the other after all of these, that crazy frenzy trade thing that was happening uh, in the AFC with the quarterbacks and stuff like that. So um, it's not only is it a wide open division behind Green Bay, but it's a wide open conference. Like like I said at the top of the the, the hour here, um, you know, there's potentially a handful of new teams in the playoffs every single year. Could be me, could be you, could be both of us with the way things are shaping up in the NFC right now. Yeah, definitely could be. I mean, there's, there's going to be some wide open uh, divisions this year. I mean, we can't just pencil – Green Bay into the top spot in the North automatically, I don't think. But, right. uh, you know, they've had it for the last uh, three years. And, you know, there, there really aren't uh, a whole lot of dominant teams in the uh, in the NFC. I mean, you can make an argument for the Rams and Tampa Bay and, you know, maybe Green Bay, depending on how much you like them. But outside of those uh, big three, I mean, I really don't think there's a team you can point to and say, yeah, that team's definitely – uh, going to the playoffs, or this team is definitely a contender. So, right. you know, why, why not Minnesota and Chicago? Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's top-heavy, Tampa Bay, yeah. Green Bay, the Rams, and, uh, you know, and, and what have you. But, uh, I mean, the, the NFC East, I mean, I just got done talking to every team in the NFC East, and the theme, the running theme through that was no repeat champion since 2004. So, yeah, the mm-hmm. Cowboys went 12-5. and five. They dominated division last year but the year before that they were like five ten and one or something like that this is like this is what happens in the nfc so you can't just lock it in that dallas is going to win the division again because it hasn't happened in almost 20 years that the team that won last year won it again the year after so it's wide open in the nfc east and then you know the north being uh wide open behind green bay right now um you know tom brady down there coming retiring then unretiring and all of a sudden he's the best quarterback in that division uh again and who's going to be the quarterback in in new orleans can winston come back from the knee injury and uh and all that kind of stuff what's going on you know can baker you know make it happen in carolina now that he's finally out of that mess in cleveland uh and everything 
Uh, it, it's, you know, Matty Ice is in Indianapolis. He's out of Atlanta. It's Marcus Mariota's job right now. And it's just, it's completely wide open in the NFC. So it's like, I can't wait for things to get started, see how this whole thing's going to gonna shake out. And, um, you know, we want to thank you for, for coming in and, and helping us out. Where can we keep up with you between now and when we talk going into week five? Oh, well, Daily Norseman is obviously the best place, uh, www.dailynorseman.com. And uh, also this uh, this season, just like we did last season, uh, I'm also going to be doing uh, live post-game uh, talks with my friends uh, Drew Bunting and Ted Glover on uh, Vikings Report with Drew and Ted. Uh, you can find them uh, on that YouTube channel under that name or on uh, you know whichever network you get your podcasts from. And, uh, yeah, they do shows during the week that I don't join them for, but I... Uh, I do the live uh, post-game shows with them. And uh, we did a couple of live watch-alongs for some of the uh, the Vikings primetime-type nice. uh, games last year, too, which was pretty sweet. But, uh, yeah, those, those are the two big ones for uh, for content from DN. And, yeah, it's always always good to have this uh, conversation about our, uh, our two teams. Well, if you guys are looking for a guest, uh, you know, for like week five or even, you know, week 18 that can either – console you or you know someone that you'd like to console i'm i'm available so you just let me know <laughs> and, and i'm your guy chris you know you know how this goes so i i, I know i i will i will pass that on to the guys and uh, <laughs> see, if they can, uh, see if they can get you in there absolutely so chris gates thanks so much uh for uh for joining us we look forward to talking to you uh week five when the when the bears come to town that's just so weird that that is like the bears are going to minnesota in october not, uh, you know, battling the elements, uh, you know, to get there anyway uh, in January. So it's going to be weird until it actually Amen. happens. So that, that's totally OK. There you have it, folks. I want to thank Chris Gates for being on the show. Look forward to talking to him in October as he and I will struggle to uh, remember that the, the first game of the rivalry is taking place in Minnesota instead of Chicago uh, this year. The, uh, a rare October appearance by the Bears uh, in Minnesota. The, the last time I think we were up there that early was in 06 when we went to the Super Bowl. We played the Vikings week three uh, in Minnesota. Uh, that year, but that was also before Goodell started mandating um, division games at the end of the season. So, um, but I mean, that was the last time I can remember the Bears being up there uh, that early. You know, it was Week Three in Minnesota in 2006. That was the Rasheed Davis uh, touchdown game there to win. I can still see his celebration in my mind. I close my eyes, I can see him celebrating that touchdown catch right now. That was awesome. But. Uh, Anyway, we'll see how this all shakes out. Uh, will will, uh, will the rivalry still hold where the Bears lose on the road and win at home? If so, at least we get to finish the year with a victory uh, week 18. Or, or will it follow the trend that it has the last couple of years where Nagy couldn't beat Minnesota to save his life? So uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, but we look forward to it. Uh, be sure to check Chris out at thedailynorseman.com and follow him online uh, on Twitter and, and, and everything else. So, um any guys, that that is going to do it uh, for this one. Let's keep it short on the on the outro. Up next on Tuesday, our good friend Evan Western back to talk to us about those those dastardly Green Bay Packers and the crazy offseason that they had. You know, they they are the most tenured head coach out there with uh, 
with uh, you know with our with our guy going into his fourth season, but they 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 answered the Aaron Rodgers question and then sent Devontae Adams packing uh, and everything, and and we'll see what uh, what Evans' thoughts are on Green Bay and 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 you know. Is he optimistic that the new guys will help, or is it because Aaron Rodgers is in there that that gives them the shot? Or, you know, could the Packers be, uh, you know, having a tough year to swallow since they had to trim some of the uh, roster fat in order to uh, be able to get Aaron Rodgers under the cap? So, we talked to Evan on Tuesday, and then next Thursday we finish up with Lauren Cox to preview our beloved Chicago Bears and close out the uh, opponent preview series for 2022. And then we wait eagerly for training camp to begin, then the preseason, and then the regular season, and we get 2022 underway, and everything gets back to normal. So come back on Tuesday for me and Evan to preview the Packers. And until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground.